Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, breathwork teacher, and committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and today's guest is Amandine Roche. Amandine is an award-winning author, photographer, explorer, public speaker, and social entrepreneur. She also worked with the United Nations Human Rights and Women's Empowerment as an expert with 20 years of experience in conflict contexts across Africa, Asia, Europe, and South America. Her professional experience is focused on human rights, democratization, education media, and gender and youth empowerment. She spent a decade in Kabul, Afghanistan, and is the founder of the Amanuddin Foundation in Afghanistan. Almost stumbled over that one. And to promote yoga and meditation among prisoners, women, soldiers, and Taliban kids. She studied with meditation with planetary luminaries like the Dalai Lama, Ama, Karmapa, Gwenka, and Deepak Chopra. And she created the Inner Peacekeeping Program to offer the tools of inner peace to humanitarian and refugees suffering of depression, anxiety, and PTSD in the Middle East. So with these words, welcome, Amandine. Thank you. Welcome, Julian. Thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast today. It's a great joy. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes, I, I'm excited for, for all the goodness that's going to be shared in this episode. Uh, we've met a few times in person, kind of, you know, syn synchronistically uh, met where, where a, a lot of people are co-creating this, this world that we can thrive in and healing the wounds of, of, of what's kind of, you know, what we inherited and also inspiring, which we said just now is our, our intention for this podcast, inspiring everyone who's listening, everyone who's listening to, to feel that empowerment, to express their unique gifts into the world. And I mean, there's, there's so much you could share. Maybe I'll start with um, asking you just about, you know, it's, it's June, it's 2020. It, it looks like this year is um, crazy, but, but really it's a, a big planetary shift. Like what do you reckon is, is most required in this world right now, no matter where someone might be listening from? Yeah, so I'm talking to you right now in south of France. I left France 20 years ago. And I'm back to my parents' place. I'm back to my family. I'm back to my roots. And I felt like this is what we have been asked, actually, to, to see what is essential in our life and uh, to really reconnect to our family and to, of course, of Mother Gaia. And um, because we cannot really go outside because of all this pandemic. So let's go inside. We never take time to pause and to figure out why are we here and which gift we want to offer to Earth to help Gaia to shift, obviously, to a new era, a new dimension. I really feel we have been called to be like a doula, like midwife, midwife of, of Gaia. And uh, so, it's up to us to be well grounded, to help to keep our frequency super high and to help Gaia to shift into a new level of consciousness. And um, so what I advise to everybody is literally to figure out who you are and which part of your shadow that you didn't address that is in time, we have time because we have nothing else to do, or not so much as before, 
to go within and to put the light to embrace the shadow and to all embrace all the trauma and the drama that we didn't want to see but that they are sabotaging yourself right now to really step into a new level of consciousness and as a life worker as an earth angel as pioneer for the new era we need to do the work to fully realign to our soul in order for us by the end of the year to have shift from here the mind to the heart because as einstein say uh, the mind is the servitor of the master the heart and mm. the new era which we call the fifth dimension it's all about being living into the heart and um, so unfortunately so far we have we gave power to the servitor but now we need to empower the master wow that is very beautifully put the empowering the master of the coherent heart right the the heart that that embraces logic but but really comes from feeling and into connection maybe that place of telepathy where we're tele telepathically but really empathically connected yes we are Beautiful. you know julian we have so many inner gifts magical gifts as telepathy uh i'm sure you heard about indigo child crystal child rainbow child uh i, I was and i am an indigo child and my brother when i was a small girl was deaf and uh, my parents were saying what does he say? What does he say? Because he couldn't articulate well, plus he was dyslexic. And so I have to focus and concentrate myself so much that I became his translator. And my parents say, how do you get it? How do you understand him? Well, that's telepathy, actually. And until now, we are always functioning like that. We say the same sentence at the same time. Now he's not deaf anymore. He is well articulated. But because we have this strong connection from childhood, we create telepathy every single time. And so that's one of the power of the mind. Another one is ubiquity, the power of being at the same time at different place. You know, you are in San Francisco, I'm in South of France. I can show up at the corner of your street if I'm very well focused and, and putting my intention to be in San Francisco right now on the etheric level but i mean so many magic gifts that we have but we are so uh, we put our focus so much to the external that we don't realize we have treasure within so you ask me what we can do right now well explore your inner kingdom explore your inner gift and magical and offer them to the world because they have a gift for the future you know we talk about the fairies we talk about the unicorns about the mermaid yes on the another dimension they exist so that Work on yourself to reach this level of consciousness to, uh, and to meet them. Thank you. Yes, there are a lot of gifts and all the, the great masters that have walked the, the, walked the earth before us point, point towards that inner kingdom and that inner gift. And especially in a time of change, I think there is, um, there is a lot of, you know, if, if we were to, to show the other side of this, like the shadow side that is really happening right now in the world is, is where we're getting such a strong external um, overload of information. It's like an information war that is going on in our cell phones and our computer screens and therefore in our minds and the way we, we perceive, right? And so in order to um, lessen the power and the power grip that it has over us, that pathway into the inner kingdom through meditation, through mindfulness, um, opens a complete different door to connect with everyone, both on the inside and then on the outside plane. 
I want to hear some of your stories because I, I heard you speak about it before and, and I know that there's, there's a lot of embodied practice that, that has you say these things. And um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll go uh, just a few years back and I know you spent over a decade in Afghanistan. What, what had you fall in love with that place in a way that you chose to show up in like front lines of, of, of suffering? Yeah, and just to finish about what you were saying, because I believe where we are going right now is more on being and less on doing. And just when you fully be, become, you are, you are, you become an instrument. And by becoming this instrument, you just need it unfold, unfold the divine through you. You become fully an instrument. So I believe you ask me what, what we have to do now, just mm -hmm. become an instrument and just be. You have nothing to do honestly. And so no more stress, no more worries, just be, but it's a, such a work on yourself to reach this level, definitely. And um, Afghanistan, yes. So I spoke about Indigo Child before, and uh, when I was a small girl outside Paris, I remember I was kind of awakened child, and I asked myself, one, why I'm a girl? I want to be a boy. Why I'm white? Because I, I, live in, I live in a suburb where there was a lot of migrants from Africa, from Maghreb, and I was kind of the only one white. And, and I was longing to go back to my home, which I didn't know, but I knew it was not France. And uh, one day I saw on, a, on a TV, uh, a TV about Mon Kailash in Tibet, and my heart started beating. And I felt, oh, I want to go back home. This is where I belong. Mm. I'm Tibetan for sure and Himalaya is my home I was longing to go back there and I didn't understand why I was born in France because I belong there I knew and 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 also I saw Varanasi and the Ghat of Premation and I say oh my heart start to beat again and my parents have a Bhagavad Gita in the library and I was secretly looking at Arjuna and Krishna and my heart was beating and I say I belongs to this, you know? So it's like, I remember my past life and at least I remember I, I belongs to this area in the world. And so uh, I just wanted to be somewhere else. It was like, when I'm going to start traveling to find my home. And um, when I finally met His Holiness the Dalai Lama at the age of 18, he came to my university to speak about the violation of human rights in Tibet and the non-violence resistance of the Tibetans. I realized that, oh my gosh, this is what I was looking for. Thanks God the Dalai Lama exists because he, he reconnect me to my Tibetan roots kind of. And, and my mom is Polish from Poland and uh, I mean, Polish and refugee from Poland. And, um, and, and, and she always told me about human rights, communism, democratization. So I decided, okay, that's the direction I want to take. I want to work for human rights, democratization, and I want to join United Nations to bring back the Dalai Lama to Tibet. Like I was very focused. And uh, which I did, I joined United Nations 20 years ago. First, my assignment was in Uzbekistan, working on the working on the well-being program for kids and after in Tajikistan working with the Afghan refugees we were actually fleeing the country uh, from the Taliban regime and that's to answer your question because I really put my focus on the Tibetan and the Indian but many the Tibetan mm -hmm. and uh, when I met these refugees like you know there is tipping point in your life like when I met the Dalai Lama 
I found my mission, I found my path. But when I met these Afghan refugees, they were flee, flee, uh, fleeing Afghanistan, the north of Afghanistan, and they were going to Tajikistan. The, the Tajik the government was so scared of infiltration of Taliban, but they put some Russian tank and they couldn't come inside the country. So the poor refugees have to land on two uh, landmine island. And so with my director, the head of UNICEF, we have to bring them some blankets, some food, some tents, some vaccination for the kids. And I was so scared to go there because on the other side, there was a Kalashnikov from the Taliban. And uh, it was a tipping point in my life because I felt I was going to hell because there were so many people dying. It was during winter and I went to paradise. And why paradise? Because I met these Afghan people and it was immediate connection, immediate recognition. They are my people. They are the people I was looking for. So strong, so capable, so hospitable in the heart, you know, they lost everything and they gave you everything. And um, like, I remember the woman, they came with some wheat in the pocket and with the mud, they create a tandoor oven, which means they confectionate some naan, some bread, and just to thank, thanks us to come and, and, and take care of their kids, and, and vaccinate their kids, they offer the galette, I mean the galette, the naan, the bread to us. And I said, well, I cannot eat, this is your only food. And they said, mm -hmm. no, 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 it's Afghan hospitality, you have to eat. And I took a small piece, you know, and it's the most succulent bread I never tried in my life, in the middle of this mud and, 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 and fighting. And, and, and I remember there was a teacher, he was so proud, he cut some trees and he made a hut, and he created a school inside. And he was teaching Farsi, which is Persian, to the kids, like nothing is happening. But they were in the middle of the war, you know? Mm -hmm. And I realized these people are extraordinary. That's, that's my people. They are so authentic, so down to earth, and so mystic, you know, because they are religious at the same time. And this is where Sufism and Omarayan and, and Rumi, you know, all these poets from Afghanistan, and I can feel it. And I felt completely in another world, completely another century. And I say, okay, now I found them and now I want to know more about them. And, and so my director asked me to, um, to take some picture to do a donor appeal. And I try actually to, uh, we, we made a donor appeal with a story that I, I decided to go in holidays in Afghanistan. And it was in June, 2001. And, um, and I met these refugees in November to 20, uh, 2000, sorry, so 20 years ago, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go to Afghanistan because my flight got canceled by the UN pilot was targeted by the Taliban and his flight was, his plane was full of bullets. So he said, I'm so scared, I'm not going to fly back. I tried to go by road with an NGO, a French NGO, but I didn't have a Russian author authorization to cross the border. Mm -hmm. And I tried to go with Masoud, Condor Masoud helicopter, but my UN director refused because he says going to a, a, a war zone and I'm still under UN contract, I couldn't make it. So I quit my job and I took my backpack and I decided to go to uh, Afghanistan uh, by, by, by every means of locomotion, which means I each hike, <laughs> I went on camel. Wow. <laughs> so, because I, I love so much a Swiss adventure called Ella Maillard. And Ella Maya was traveling in all uh, Central Asia, 
Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Pakistan in 1930s. And she crossed China by camel, actually, by train, by camel and by yak. Uh, in 1932 and I have so much admiration for this woman and I, I wanted to meet her and she gave me an appointment and she died just before meeting her and so I decided that I'm going to meet her another way take all her book all her picture and go back to all the country where she used to travel to compare 70 years after what I've changed so this is what I did she traveled actually from Geneva to Kabul with Anne-Marie Schwarzenbach who is uh, she's a German and um, so this is what I did. I quit my job and I took my backpack and I took all a picture and I went. The goal was never take a plane, always take the means of locomotion in front of you and, um, and uh, live with people, never go to a hotel. And, and despite the fact that I don't speak uh, Tibetan, I don't speak uh, Farsi, I don't speak Kyrgyz, I don't speak Hindi, I don't speak Urdu, I don't speak Chinese, a Russian, a Chuchut Gayagagavruparushki, but you know, like not so much. Yeah. But it's okay. It's it's it, again about. It always worked out. If there is no barrier, you know, yeah. there is no. You can express yourself. You just mind, you know, uh, eat, uh, drink, uh, whatever. Like how many kids, and uh, you use and. So that's the beginning of my long stories of Afghanistan. I can develop more if you want, or if you want any. Yeah, I'd love to unpack a little bit of that. I think this is so fascinating, Amandine, and I'd love to, I'd love to know you know, um, also about, you know, for one, your optimism, like how you, how it was just such a clear mission for you, how you could keep your, your optimism and your enthusiasm so high, no matter what devastation was around you, like, you know, talk about Earth Angel, like bringing that kind of energy of love into every day, into every moment. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe touch on that just a little bit, like how, how do you remember that in, in those devastating places? Yeah, so how actually, that's a very good question because I realize, and it's, it's, a, it's a principle of my life, where there is a will, there is a way, you know, and no matter where you want to go, it's like Socrates or Seneki, Seneki maybe, Seneki say there is no win for the one who doesn't know where he wants to go. But if you know where you want to go, no worries, the, the wind is going to drive you to your destination. And so this is exactly what happened. I believe magic starts out of your comfort zone. And what is always the most difficult is the first step to any initiative and adventure. So of course, when I started with my backpack, like a woman alone in all this crazy Afghanistan and Pakistan, you know, and, and I realized the, the first step was the most difficult, difficult to take, but like literally angel, were sent on my way. I really feel like Ella Maya on a subtle, subtle realm, she was, invisible realm was guiding me on my path because I met on my path only, only people connected to her. How is it possible? I never, sh I never, I, I just trust, you know, I just trust, mm. I just surrender. And, and, and I knew in which city I wanted to go, but I didn't know how, with who, and, and I wanted to be on my own, to be really connected with my angel, kind of. And exactly this is what happened. I, I met this amazing uh, Kyrgyz nomad, and we, we became friends. We live in the yurt. We, we were on a horse for one month and crossing all Kyrgyzstan together. And I crossed all the Taklamakan desert by sidecar with a Uyghur. And I end up, when I spoke with wow. him, yeah. <laughs> but 
when I spoke with him, he told me, why, why do you want to go to this place? Now there is nuclear bomb, AC, whatever. I said, because this woman, she crossed by Camel and I want to double check what's going on right now. And he said, what's the name? I said, Lamaya. He said, guess what? I feel like my grand grandfather invited her. I said, who is the guy, your grandfather? He was a governor of Kashgar. And I said, well, yes. After the crossing of Taklamakan Desert, she ended up with the governor of Kashgar. I said, can I go to his house? Guess what? We went to his house. We went to his library. I found the book of Elamaya. She, she signed for him. I mean, how is it possible where is 1 billion, 800 million Chinese? The only one who came to pick me up at the border was Yusuf and he's connected to Elamaya. I take after a bus. I take a bus and I spoke with the guy next to me and his name is Karim from Unza Valley. And I say, well, what are you doing? I say, well, I'm going to uh, Gilgit and I want to meet the prince of the Unza, Karim Ran. I don't know if he's still alive because in the book he's three years old. Mm-hmm. And they look at me and say, yes, he's still alive. I'm going to play golf with him tomorrow. I mean, like, what, how is it possible? I mean, like, how is it possible? Wow. Like, and, and, and he's 77 years old. And he remember because Elamaya came by yak with Peter Fleming and she offered him a book. And you know, like, like that's, that's serendipity, really. And yeah. I just, I decided I want to live my life just like that. It's much fun, you know, it's much easier. And, and guess what? Elamaya arrived in Kabul, sit, um, it was September 1st, 1939, which was the beginning of the Second World War. And she decided to spend the Second World War in Afghanistan doing some archeological research with uh, LADAFA, the Afghan delegation of archeology. span And uh, guess what? Uh, arrived in Kabul, September 11, 2001, like beginning of a third world war, which came mm. out a new era. A new era, yeah, for sure. I mean, how, come, how is it possible? And why I end up at this time? Because I applied to have a visa and I apply. And when the Taliban asked me, uh, why do I want a visa? I said, well, because I, I'm on the footstep of Elamaya and I want to visit your country, obviously, because I love Afghans. And he said, but you're already Afghan, so you don't need a visa. I said, what, what do you mean I'm already Afghan? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not. He said, yeah, but why your parents gave you this name? And he said, well, my grand-grandmother died when I was born. Her name is Amandine, it's typically French. And Roche is typically French, means rock. And he said, no, 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 you are Amandine Roche. And he said, what does that mean, Amandine Roche? He said, well, you know, that's a sign for us. Aman is peace, Din is religion, and Roche is joy. Amanuddin Khash means the happy protector of peace. I say, ah, okay. And, and say, we got it. It's a sign from Allah. So you are become a merman, honor guest. You will be the honor guest of a Taliban. So we, you will be under our protection. And guess what, Julian? I arrive in Kabul and everybody come to see me and say, oh, Khasha Mandin, Khasha Mandin. And I say, how do you know my name? And everywhere I go in Afghanistan, Khasha Mandin, Khasha Mandin. And I say, but what does it mean, Rosh Amandin? Oh, it means you are welcome. I say, oh, so it works in the two sense, you know, like, this is so crazy. Wow, so, you, so your name uniquely prepared you for that journey. My name is, you are welcome, happy protector of peace. I mean, how can you make it, you know? So you ask me, how do I know I'm on my mission? Well, because there is so much alignment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel so alive. I feel so happy to be on this Afghan land. And, and, uh, you're talking about mission. 
I felt like I never planned to spend 14 years on and off in Afghanistan. It just happened. And it happened, why? Because I was in Kabul at this crucial time, September 11, 2001, before the American bombing. And because I didn't evacuate with UN flight and I drove back with my friend at the Pakistani border and it was closed because we came too late. And I got detained by the Taliban. And when we negotiate our release, there is one small Afghan girl who say she wants to come with me to Peshawar. She was so scared of American bombing. And I put her in my car and my friend with whom I was traveling said, no, 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 you cannot keep this girl because she might have family. Are you going to adopt this girl? I said, well, I don't know. And he said, no, you have to say goodbye. And I say goodbye to her. And it literally broke my heart because there was like five miles of future refugee wanted to go to Pakistan because they were so scared of American momming and I didn't save her. And, and I say goodbye. And when I say goodbye, she cry and say she goodbye to me. But she come back into my dream for one week and ask me why you didn't save me. And her memory haunt me for one week. And I didn't know. And, and I said, the only way for me to, 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 to do something is to commit myself for this country. So I wrote a letter to her. I said, my small Afghan barefoot princess, I'm very sorry. I couldn't help you. I couldn't adopt you but I promise I will come back and I will come back to work for women empowerment, democratization and human rights. And it was public commitment. I came back to France. Well, after I went to Pakistan, India, Nepal, Tibet, China and Trans-Siberian, Ukraine, Poland, Germany, Switzerland. Wow. I came yeah. back to France, I wrote the book, I published the book, I went on book tour for three months. I motivate all my friends and we drove Paris to Kabul in 2003. After two months of traveling, I joined United Nations and I became the head of a civic education program to promote democracy, human rights, and women empowerment. So that's alignment because I was feeling so alive. I feel like I prepared myself all my life for this time and I was so much on fire. I believe in what we were doing, but unfortunately, three of my international colleagues got kidnap after the end of the election and I have to evacuate and I evacuate in a very poor state where I realized I was burned out and I was suffering of PTSD because of the threat we received and also because of so much stress I put on myself and that was the beginning of my spiritual journey. I'm talking too much. No, <laughs> no this is this is so fascinating. I mean that's why I'm not interrupting you. I think this is you know, even though this is almost uh, two decades ago now, it's, it's such a valuable um, lesson for everyone listening and for myself tuning into you to, to really understand that alignment doesn't need to mean just happy-go-lucky, blissful, but alignment means you could possibly show up in one of the most devastating places and, and, and be this messenger of peace and be this messenger of equality. Um, and, you, you know, this this notion of trust came up. Uh, you shared it like a few minutes ago. And so I want to I dig a little deeper there as well and understand like what, you know, it sounds like you, you have an easy time trusting strangers, but maybe that's not exactly how you're experiencing it. Maybe that, that, that process is highly discerning because, you know, you've learned how to kind of connect with this alignment. And Yo, so what is short intermission. This is your host, Julian, for a short announcement. Green Planet Blue Planet podcast is currently entirely self-funded from my private coaching practice and work in the world, speaking at events and teaching breathwork, meditation, as well as facilitating leadership programs. 
If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to level up, step forward and be all in, then this might just be for you. Have you considered hiring a coach? Or is it time to find someone who deeply cares for the same evolutionary revolution on our planet? If that's the case, I'm your guy. As a transformational coach, I've worked with hundreds of people at events and in person via weekly calls over various months. I'm in service to switched on humans just like you who are on the cutting edge of some of the most progressive stuff on planet Earth. And if that's not quite you yet, but that's the dream inside of you, then even more reason to reach out. Well, whether you are a successful entrepreneur, a startup founder or an artist, I am here to support more people to deepen their planetary purpose. I've developed highly tailored coaching programs that are based on bringing out your gift into the world because I believe in a world in which we can empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts. And all right, before we get back to the episode, make sure you visit my website greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships or simply find your way there by clicking work with Julian and book a free consultation with me. And if you listen to the end of the episode, I will give away a discount for listeners only. So here we go. We're returning to today's episode. With this alignment. And so what does it require for you to experience trust? What is that process like? Yeah, trust, trust, um, trust knowing that you have a higher self. And uh, if you want to live the best version of your life, you just need to allow a higher self to guide you and lead you which means you need to be to have a little uh, battle or dialogue with your ego identity because it doesn't want to let the higher self take the lead because you won't still want to exist so that's the story of your life it's the story of arjuna and krishna right on the battlefield of bhagavad gita and so uh to trust is also uh, i love this beautiful poem from a french poet apollinaire and the story is this one is there on the cliff and the inner voice of trust of higher self say now you jump and it's very high cliff and they say no we are not going to jump because we're going to die and um and the end of the story like the they got pushed to jump and uh he finished the poem and say and they jump and they fly and that's what he struts about when you you jump into the unknown, you deploy your wings, which you even didn't believe you had. And, and I feel like that's what I said at the beginning, uh, magic start out of a comfort zone. Because if you are too comfortable, means you are not on your right path. You have to feel a little bit uncomfortable like me. Look, I exposed myself in refugee camp or in, in September 11, 2001 in Kabul. I mean, <laughs> I was in the same hotel with all the Taliban. I was invited by the Taliban. Like I was out of my comfort zone big times, but this is where I was thriving. And this is where I felt like fish in water. I felt like I was born for this moment. So means is not at the ego level because even I couldn't plan that. I never expect, mm. but that was the right time, right moment. I mean, right time, right place because completely changed my life. I never planned, you know, I remember in 1998, my boyfriend, we were in Paris and he said, oh my gosh, there is this amazing documentary about the commander Masoud in Afghanistan, let's go and watch it. And I look at him and say, Kabul, Afghanistan, Masoud? <laughs> no, 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 let's go and watch another film. And guess what, a year after, I was with the commander Masoud and I spent 14 years in Afghanistan and I realized this is destiny. 
because on the ego level, I never wanted to go to Afghanistan. I never planned to meet Commander Massoon. It happened. And, um, and I realized that, yes, trust. So to, to follow up on what I was telling you, when I come back to France completely destroyed, I have a little of, um, yeah, I have actually a, a stomach cancer cells because I was too stressed and I didn't want to take some chemo pills that the doctor wanted to give it to me. And I say, what did I do to my life? I'm so young and already have a cancer. There was something which not aligned, obviously. And, and so I spent three months in South of France to write my book about my diary, about how we try to implement democratization, human rights in Afghanistan. And every single day I went to visit an Ayurvedic healer who gave me a panchakarma, which means massage my belly with oils and herbs to just reduce the, the stress in my, in my, my cells. And he said, I give you one advice, don't go back to Afghanistan. And he said, no, United Nations just called me back to go back right now. And he said, I have to tell you something. You are an personality, which means you are like a sponge. So you absorb all the negativity, the stress around you but now you cannot digest it anymore you are like three months pregnant woman you look at your belly and he say if you go back to this dark war zone you have to protect yourself and I, how do you do that and he say you have to learn how to meditate and i realize okay maybe he's right i need a shield because it's too much i'm on front line and i'm on, i'm became a vacuum cleaner vacuum yeah. cleaner, a cleaner of afghanistan and uh, so I say no to United Nations, and instead I went to see the Dalai Lama again. I took a flight, I went to Dharamsala in India, and I rent a house in front of the Dalai Lama temple. And for one month, every single day at 6 a.m. I woke up and I took my blanket, it was during winter, and I went to the Dalai Lama teachings. You have a workman, I mean like a translation because he speaks Tibetan. And one day during his teaching, he said, you cannot bring outer peace if you don't focus on your inner peace. And I, it resonates so much within myself. And I say, oh my gosh, he's so right. Who I am to work for peace in Afghanistan if I'm completely broken inside, if I have PTSD, if I'm anxious, if I'm uh, stressed, I don't incarnate peace, I'm a fraud. And I realize I'm going to say to United Nations, I pause right now, or I do short term mission in Africa or in Bhutan, in Nepal, in East Timor, which I did. on monitoring election on media, but on short-term mission, not on long-term, because I want to deepen my practice to come back stronger and to incarnate peace. And so I took my backpack and I went to see, uh, spend time with Goenka and I did 10 days meditation uh, Vipassana retreat with Goenka. I spent a lot of time with Ama in her ashram in South of, of India, in Kerala. Spent a lot of time in Maharashtra, which is in the Gandhi ashram to take the involved of non-violence and inner peace and spend a lot of time with the Karmapa. So for me, it was really a commitment to understand what do we mean by peace? Because my dream was to work for peace. My name there is peace, you know, and, and like, okay, fine. But do we really work for peace when we work with United Nations? And what is peace? It was really a quest, a spiritual quest. And finally, when I found my inner peace, United Nations called me back, said, are you ready to come back? And I came back to Kabul. But it was completely another story because at this time, it was in 2008 and 9, mm -hmm. and the security situation was much worse, which means they came to pick me up with an armed vehicle, with a security officer. They gave me my 
arm jacket and my my helmet and they brought me to a bunker guest house and it was completely another story because on the security level it was really more intense and i followed my intuition and i realized that i didn't want to live in the un official guest house and thanks god because six of my international colleagues unfortunately got assassinated by the taliban a few months after and i started to teach my spiritual practice what yoga and meditation mm. and i realized that this is all the country is on ptsd because of 25 years of, of war course, yeah. and this is how i decided to create the amanuddin foundation amanuddin the religion of peace foundation where we bring yoga meditation to the army to the school we, we create the torch of light school with 350 kids from the taliban area of kabul and we also teach to women in shelters and it was life change experience because i realized this ancestral technique actually really helped to reconnect mind body and spirit mm. and help to deal and on mental health and on the ptsd and that's why i thrive because i realized okay that was part of my mission as well because you know you realize when you fully align you're just super happy like you are you you, you forget you, no, it's like you forget you are not stressed. You are just, uh, you wake up every day, you are on a mission, you, you, yeah, you thrive. So that's what you, to answer your question about alignment. Alignment is like, you know, I love this, uh, this, sent, this uh, quotation, like, don't ask yourself, uh, no, uh, don't ask yourself what you can give to the world. Ask yourself what makes you alive because what the world needs is people alive. And so what is alignment? Yes look what makes you alive within yourself it could be dancing it could be a painting it could be sculpting or it could be teaching yoga meditation in afghanistan you know like but uh, but when you know it's that you go for it you go for it and the universe conspire you for striving into your mission and um yeah beautiful Amandine. i have um two more questions for you actually for today because I, I know there's such a depth of wisdom in you, we could we could probably talk for for hours and switch from Afghanistan to other places in the world. But you already touched on education and children quite a bit there. And um, this is a question I, I regularly ask on Green Planet Blue Planet, and it is about how you would change the education system at large. What kind of um, experiences, um, ideas are in you that you would like to dedicate to that topic? So if you were single-handedly or with a team of experts, you could change the way we educate children on the planet, uh, what would you do? Well, it's a very good question. And this is what we try to do with the Torch of Light in Kabul, which is like bringing uh, Rudolf Steiner, Montessori, you know, like um, uh, more on holistic uh, values, but also educating the heart. I mentioned that before. It's like what we need now is to shift from the head to the heart and the uh, and, and to empower the master. And um, so it's an education on being and, and on being and on an education on, and we were doing that in Afghanistan. Peace education, non-violence communication, and what makes you um, a peaceful and mindful leader. And so it's an education, and this is what I'm doing right now with the Inner Peace Corps organization I'm, I'm bringing in Middle East in Jordan. We transform refugee camp into a healing camp and we transform them through art therapy. So I do believe we were all born with an artistic gift, but it's up to you to discover which one. For instance, in my case, it's writing. I got a, I'm writing a diary since I'm 15 years old. Every single day I'm writing my diary. 
and I love photography because photography for me is a transfer of energy. Like we talk about alignments, when I'm fully aligned, my energy is transferred on the photography. So it's my passion, for instance. But maybe your passion, what is your passion, uh, Julia? That's a great question. And thanks for asking me a question back. It definitely, there's, there's writing in there as well. I've been writing similar to you, a diary since I was uh, 14 or 15. I didn't write every day, um, but, but just the act of writing down thoughts, contemplations, stories is, is something I'm, I, I love doing. Right now, also, this has a lot to do with um, interviewing, listening, asking questions, right? Like part of my passion is the process of inquiry, which I believe is how we, we express our natural gifts of curiosity. Yes. So you found your passion. I can see you're happy, you're thriving. So that's what education should be. Instead of putting so much information that you will never use in your life and make people, make kids completely disconnected. You know, today I went barefoot to work for 30 minutes in nature. This is what I want in education. How you connect with Gaia, how, how you um, become, because the problem with the education we observe now, they shut, they kept the kids and they are just in their head and completely disconnecting mind, body and spirit. So real education now is to reconnect and make you on earth actually, because when you are grounded, you really discover who you are from within and by discover who you are, you know which divine gift you can offer to the world and you were born for that. You were born to offer your gift to the world. And I believe that, you know, when you see artists so passionate in what they're doing, they're not going to fight their neighbor because they are thriving, they are super happy. So what the new world is, uh, raising the level of consciousness that we are all thriving in love, peace, joy, harmony, bliss. And this is when you form within yourself your inner gift. And, and that's the type of education I would love to see in the future. Yeah. Beautiful. And let me ask maybe a follow-up question to that before I come to my last question. And, and that, is, that is about kind of the, the, the other side. When you, you went deeply into that um, through your journey in Afghanistan, but the other side of, of, um, of bliss and, and harmony can be the ability to deal with, with conflict or the ability to deal with contrast, right? Which in itself, I think, will always exist in some form, maybe in a gradually uh, much more enlightened form. But like, how do you, how do you think we can teach and share this ability to, to, you know, you said it earlier, like magic happens outside the comfort zone. So how can we teach this ability to leave the comfort zone behind and really just address even what's uncomfortable and be with what's uncomfortable so that then the magic and the bliss can take over again? Yes, I feel you, you, you pronounce the key word. The key word is harmony. And I believe that if you want to see a world of peace and harmony, you have to put the peace and harmony within yourself. The external reality is just a reflection of your internal reality. So if you feel a lot of conflict and chaos in your life, you should better double check what's going on inside, right? So also don't make me wrong. I realize if I was thriving so much in Afghanistan, which is a kind of conflict and chaotic environment, I must have a lot of chaos and, and conflict within myself as well. But now, which I heal, I don't feel so attracted to go back there. You know what I mean? So that's also 
uh, a good barometers or compass, inner compass, to figure out what is your inner forecast, you know? So harmony. Harmony is, I see it in two ways. It's the yin and yang. So the light and the shadow. So uh, make sure that, yes, like Jung said, and we are a human being with consciousness and unconsciousness. Make sure that the dark is not, is not taking the lead and, and make sure that, that at least you face your shadow and you embrace it and you don't run away from it because otherwise the shadow will take the lead. And um, so harmony, light and shadow and harmony of the masculine and the feminine. And uh, so for the light and shadow, I always mention this beautiful uh, Amerindian uh, story, you know, where the grandfather speak with the son and the son say, the grandfather say, my son, there is two wolves within you, the dark one and the, the white one. And the son say, oh, who are they? Say the white one is all about compassion and empathy and, and love and joy. And the second one is all about greed and hatred and rage and anger and shame and guilt. And so the small boy said to the father, oh, and who is the winner? And the grandfather say, the one you feed. So actually to answer your question, yes, look which, which wolf you are feeding every single day and make sure that otherwise if you don't feed, the wolf will feed you. And, um, and I believe also, how do you bring harmony on earth is when you rebalance your yin and your yang, because right now you see this is the era of patriarchy. So it's disproportionate, the masculine on earth. Mm -hmm. And as much okay. as the woman or, uh, on earth have been abused, exploited and raped, like we talk about Me Too movement, have been abused, exploited and raped by men, the mother Gaia have been abused, exploited and, ra and raped by men so in order to rebalance the yin and the yang on the planet you have to bring it within yourself so you need to develop as a man or as a woman we need to develop more of feminine quality which is quality of caring of passions of compassions of empathy of you know like all what is nurturing as a mother and and if we all do the work definitely we help the planet earth to heal as well mm. Brilliantly put. I, you know, you're almost like answering the last question I had, which is like, what is your earth vision? What is your vision for this planet? And what is your dream for this planet? And let me, let me put this in the context of a seven generational way of thinking. So seven generations into the future, what is the vision or the dream that you'd like to, to share with us today? Well, I believe it's a, it's an environment where I mentioned it before, actually, is where the heart rules and it's all about self-identity and unity consciousness and unconditional love where we are not in the mind but on intuition and where we are on instant manifestation. There is no planning, there is no, uh, and it's uh, the divine order actually. And it's not a scarcity mindset, but it's an abundance mindset. And it's uh, a soul-based identity. It's not ego-based identity. and. Uh, and, and, and you believe in what you wow, see. Powerful, you know? a soul-based yeah. identity. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Amandine, for your time, for your insights, for your wisdom, for everything you shared, for the stories. Um, I know there's, there's a lot more in, in, in you there and, and maybe I'll just have you back sometime. We'll talk about other stories um, beyond the, the journey in Afghanistan. But for today, that was, that was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you so much, Julian. <laughs>